Welcome to the Cashflow Guys Podcast. Oh, that's right. You know what time it is, and you should know where you are. This is Tyler Chef, and I am the host of the Cashflow Guys Podcast. And man, I got another good one for you this week. I know I say that a lot, but I really mean it. We're going to talk about some stuff that Mike and I learned. We were out in the field recently up in uh, Central Florida looking at different markets, and which is something that we do. Mike being an airline pilot, man, he can you can just snap your fingers. Then old Mikey just appears at the airport and says, come get me. Mikey with me? Hey, Tyler. Hey. I love that about you, actually. That's very convenient. In the past, when I've had partnerships, it's like, it's a big drawn out thing. It's like, ah, shit, I got to get a plane ticket. I got to do this. I got to do that. And you're like, what? So guys listening, guys and girls listening, we'll be like, I'll be somewhere, for example, here in Key West. It's like, hey, Mike, uh, I was look, I was talking to this guy over at Captain Tony's today, and he's got a place that has this stuff wrong with it. And I'm going to go talk to him and see if I can do anything. He's like, what time are you going? I'm like, I don't know, about 4 or 5 o'clock. He's like, oh, I can be there. I'm in L.A., no problem. I'm like, what? Poof, there he is. It freaks out. I don't know if you noticed, Mike, but it freaks out the brokers. When that broker, a guy, I talked to him like that morning early. Oh, yeah. I was having cafe con leche down at uh, Anna's coffee house. And it was like 7.30 in the morning. I'm having a conversation with this broker, guys. And I'm like, oh, well, my partner, he's, he's uh, out of state at the moment. He's out of town at the moment. But uh, we can meet you there this afternoon. So Mike jumped on a plane because being an airline pilot, he can do that. He just shows up wearing the monkey suit and they let him on the plane. Who knew? And then you show up here in Key West and the guy's like, so where were you? You said you were out of town. Where were you today? Oh, I was in Denver. (laughs) And the guy's like, what? (laughs) Little does he know that as soon as I land, I'm begging you for a place to stay. That's right. That's right. (laughs) Is is my couch open? (laughs) Uh, That's funny. So when we were a couple weeks ago, we were up in central Florida looking at markets. Um, I think you and I both had a big eye opener. It's been the first time for me that I've been in some of those markets like Leesburg. I don't think I've ever, I maybe have driven through Leesburg, Florida, but I don't think I've ever really stopped and paid attention. And I thought with this episode, we could maybe kind of hit the high points of what we both learned uh, during that time. Make sense? Yeah. All right. Yeah. It was a lot of fun. It was. It was a lot of ground covered. My God. It's like, I think I put like 5,000 miles on the truck. It's ridiculous. <laughs> Don't think about that. <laughs> right. Well, yeah. Cause yeah, I look at the gas on that. It's like, but I, don't, <laughs> no. I don't know, but it's like being in central Florida. So guys, Mike and I were staying at my cabin up at Cedar key, but our, the markets we were in were like Ocala, uh, Leesburg, uh, Williston, uh, where else? Dunellen. I'm trying to think what else, Mike. Uh, Hernando, Hernando town. Yeah, Hernando, city of Hernando, which I didn't even know was a thing until I sold a house there a couple yeah. of weeks ago. <laughs> but it's like every day was like it took us like an hour to get to the market that we could start yeah. looking in. And then it was we drive around there all day. We wound up farther south or farther north. And then it's like a two hour drive back to the cabin because, guys, my cabin is so far out in the woods. It's like 45 minutes from the major highway. He's not kidding. No, in any it's like direction. make a left turn at the third swamp next to the alligator. Right. Look, look for the woodchuck and make it make it right. <laughs> Pump the brakes at the stop sign. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I think you had that look on your face like well, the first time you pull up like, so what happens if we get hurt out here because my phone doesn't work? <laughs> can I have the Starlink log on, please, so I can call 911? <laughs> How many guns do your neighbors have? <laughs> That's right. All of them is the answer. <laughs> it is the Redneck Riviera out there. Anyway, we digress. How about that? Yeah. So uh, I'm trying to think what city, what, what, where do you want to start? Let's uh, let's start with Gainesville because I landed in Gainesville. Yep. And 
I land and the first thing I'm thinking about every time I'm done with a long flight is I want to eat. Yeah. But instead, Tyler said, oh, let's take a look at this neighborhood. <laughs> I have an appointment with a broker. We're on our way. Let's go. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you were still in your in your pilot outfit, actually. <laughs> so oh, yeah. We had to like pull over so you could change. That's right. That was pretty funny. So, yeah, we went to that first neighborhood and um, it was so I got lost because, you know, I don't stop to ask for directions. Gainesville, I drive through there, but I normally don't stop. But I used the GPS, which was my probably my first mistake. And I remember driving through this neighborhood. We're going, we're looking at each other like, this is going to be all right. This is nice. It was a multifamily. Oh, yeah. I think it was an eightplex, tenplex. Uh, so, yes. Yeah, yeah, so we, we went down the wrong street. Oh, that's right. And we went through this, like, um, I guess the college rentals, it was like class A. Yes. They had like a tennis court and a pool and dog walk and all this other stuff. Yeah. Everyone's walking around like Mayberry. Yeah. 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 And then um, we realized that wasn't quite where the property we, we yeah. were there to see was <laughs> <laughs> 50 yards away across the big tall fence. Yeah. Around the block was the correct neighborhood, which was like going from, isn't this lovely Biff to, oh my God, run. It was terrifying. Remember, we're growing up and you're driving around with your mother, and then all of a sudden your mother says, Lock the windows, Tyler. That's Lock right. the window. Lock That's the right. doors. That's right. Get underneath the seat. Put your head down. <laughs> <laughs> and then suddenly she drives like Mario Andretti. I'm like, Why are you going so fast, mom? <laughs> it was like that. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it was bad. Good news is I'm heavily armed, so, you know, we're good. Mike didn't realize that at the time. I just like to say that to freak him out. <laughs> it's like, Do you have a bazooka under the seat? Maybe. <laughs> Maybe not. Who knows? But yeah, so the property we looked at was right on the, it was in the front of the neighborhood. So I guess you, it was a kind of a roll of the dice. I think about when I'm looking at these rentals, first thing I'm thinking about is if I was the tenant, what would I think? Right. Cause I don't want to be the last place to get rented. Mm-hmm. And I don't know what's your opinion. That I don't think the, the, the condition of that property was all that terrible. No, it, it wasn't bad. And that's the thing. Like before we went there, we were looking at realtor pictures, right? right? We went on the MLS. Oh, look at this. Oh, it's not so bad. We could use a little help here, but that's obviously value add for us. We don't sure. want anything picture perfect. We want to make it picture perfect. Right. So by the pictures, okay, it's worth a worth a drive. Um, and then we drove. And to get there, you got to go through the neighborhood. And Tyler's really adamant about don't go straight to the house. Let's do a few laps around the neighborhood and, yeah. and, and kind of get the feel. Because you're right. I mean, that's what a tenant's going to do. Yep. Before they move in, they'll be like, hey, how's my neighbors? Yeah. <laughs> or not. <laughs> or, yeah. Yeah. So the, the neighborhood was very, very rough. Yeah. Um, Questionable, if you will. I'll be yeah. terrifying. You know, the, when you can see signs of extreme blight during the day, I got news for you. It doesn't get better at any better at night. Now, there are neighborhoods over the years and I I'm surprised that after 23 years of doing this for a living that I still get surprised how good the real estate photographers are. I mean, they are (laughs) really good because I don't know. I just tend to give people the benefit of the doubt and I can't complain because I am that dirty barefoot broker that gets the best photographer in town to make my turds look like a shiny penny because that's my job. I'm supposed to prevent, present the property in its proper light. We don't do Photoshop drama or nothing like that. You know, we don't misrepresent things. We just show the best of the worst, if that's the case. Yeah. Um, but this one, it wasn't all that bad as compared to everything around it. Everything around it was like, oh, my God, there's there's like no wall there. It's like, what happened to the wall? Did they steal the wall? I mean, is that a Buick parked in the living room up on blocks? 
<laughs> it's like you know. it, it takes redneck to a whole new level. It's like wow, that's that's actually kind of impressive. That's something I should put make a take a picture of, put on Instagram. That's pretty good. Yeah, and it, it makes you wonder about all these all these buyers who bite sight sight unseen. Yes, and there's a lot of them. Oh yeah, a lot of especially the last few months. Last two properties I sold, some the people that bought them were sight unseen. The agent went through with a cell phone and um, did their thing. And they were not in the greatest part of town. I'll be honest with you. I mean, whatever. I didn't. I can't say that on the, on the MLS. They get, you know, put me in realtor jail. But uh, it was rough. And I think about it. It's like, well, man. It's like you have no idea. You and the thing is, Mike, they don't really get who they're serving. You know, when these oh. people buy these things, you got the got the investor from California that comes to Florida and buys something in a sketchy neighborhood. They don't really understand the tenant that they're serving. Because here's the thing: if you're if you have your house in Malibu and you're overlooking the ocean. You're never going to understand low-income housing. You're just not. So you damn sure better have somebody in the team that does. I personally don't get it, and I'm not very sympathetic to what I determine to be uh, laziness, right? And now I get that most people are – there's lots of people that have low income that are not lazy. I mean, that's debatable. We can talk about that all day long. We're not going to get into that in this podcast. But I don't really, I'm not good at, I have tried to serve the low-income community. It's just not something I'm good at because I tend to over-improve. I take better care of my tenants than 99.9% of landlords. Mike, you've walked through our properties. You know how we like things. Jill and I have a very set way of doing things. I can't let my, yeah, I can't let my people live in squalor. And this place, especially, you know, it was veteran housing. And that's a soft spot for me because I am a veteran. Mike, you're a veteran. We don't, we care about veterans a lot. Uh, and I had a hard time with the fact that there was so much deferred maintenance, yeah. but you know, the double-edged sword with that is they, they're getting a reduced rent, right? And the landlord hadn't really kept up with getting rent increases from the VA or from whatever veterans organization was paying the bills. So then they can't maintain the property and they think they're doing the vet a favor. They're not because the vet lives in a dump and it wasn't really terrible as compared to everything else around it. But I believe our veterans should have better. My opinion. Any thoughts on that? Yeah, that, that was kind of sad. Um, you know, we always talk about value add. We want to find something. We want to find that penny that we can shine, right? Right. We go in, we can increase the value immediately by cleaning up the landscaping, making the place nice. And all, all of a sudden, now you bought something below market and now you brought it above market. Now you can rent it. Now you can actually cash flow it. Exactly. You know, everyone thinks, oh, it's a pretty house. Uh, that's going to get me cash flow. Not always. Yeah. But the, the problem is when you're dealing with a neighborhood that has a problem, uh, you, you know, Tyler, you were in you were in Tennessee. You were in Memphis. Oh. So <laughs> at, at what point do you say like, OK, this neighborhood, I can help this neighborhood. I, I can't. You know, I, I don't have enough liquid to buy the entire three blocks to clean it up. Uh, at what point do you say, especially in Memphis? This this is doable. I can only help a neighborhood when my crappy property is the only is one of the few that needs value add. If I'm the first guy to show up to do value add, there's not a lot I can do. Uh, now I can bring an army of other investors with me, but I'm not buying a whole neighborhood at least not anytime soon because I'm not you know Grant Cardone or Brad Sumrock or whoever. But even those guys, don't, they're big syndicators. They do big deals. They don't buy entire neighborhoods, and they don't buy in bad neighborhoods. There's, and I hate to say it this way because it sounds like I'm giving up on the low-income communities and whatnot. I'm not, but it's not, unfortunately, it's not Tyler's problem to fix. It's not Mike Marino's problem to fix. 
there are social services and government services and you know, let them go at that. You and I are middle-class Americans. I believe I like to think I'm high class, but you know, that's only cause I pay a lot of rent and live in Key West. <laughs> I'm really just a middle-class silly guy. And I just like to have a good time and do my thing. I drive a Jeep for God's sake, not a Ferrari. You're very conservative. You got your van and whatnot. And you know, you live out in Colorado and you live below your means. I live below my means. It's just what makes us happy. I have a tough time helping out the low income successfully because I don't understand the mindset, what keeps people down like that. And Oh, I know maybe I should, and maybe I should pay more attention to that. Maybe I should do a lot of things, but at the end of the day, I've only got so many hours in the day. You know, I have other people I need to focus on that are closer to me, friends and family that are more important. I hate to say it that way, but it's just, that's what I'm going to focus on. For me, if I'm, if I'm the first turd to get fixed in a terrible neighborhood, I'm not, I'm, I tried that. I'm not Superman. It, it, so that really, that's how I answer your question is I don't, I move on. And you look at the Brad Sumrocks, the Grant Cardones of the world, they start with good neighborhoods. They don't try to create the good neighborhood. They start with a, they at least start with a C plus and they raise it to a B or a B plus or an A. Uh, that takes a lot of time and a lot of money to change the dynamic of an entire neighborhood. That's I think way beyond our scope. I don't know what you think, but that's way beyond our scope. I'd rather solve individual problems in markets that support the help. Yeah. And that kind of brings us on the same week. Our next place we went to was Ocala. Yeah. Ocala is, you know, everyone knows it as like the horse neighborhood. It's right. beautiful over there. Central Florida. Uh, you don't have traffic. It's not crowded. There's some really beautiful places you could tell by the schools. Right. If the school looks beautiful, then you know that neighborhood is good. Right. And then what we found was there were still pockets of place that's, that neighbors have not gentrified. Uh, specifically, we looked at two that looked like they were originally uh, apartments. So it was like owned by one developer. They yeah. had a, a, like a tennis court and a pool and everything. Oh, I remember you talking about now. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then you can tell like the developer sold each building individually to different owners. And yeah. then that's kind of when it fell apart. I'll go so far as they sold to different slumlords. Yeah. Because what I found interesting about that, I remember us talking about this is that, it was, imagine it was like a big circle, the subdivision. They were all individually owned duplexes. And they were all the same construction, but they were the neighborhoods surrounding them, I would say, were B. Plus. And in some cases, oh, yeah. A, yeah. very nice, manicured, yes. Biff and Susie type neighborhoods where they got the poodle that's got the shaved butt and the whole nine yards, right? That's, yeah. what, that's what I, I picture when I see that. Everybody's having their tea and crumpets in a garage sale on Sunday with a permit. Yeah. Um, that's what surrounded the neighborhood. But inside the neighborhood, it was like Beirut. And yeah. you could tell that the landlords just don't care. And and that's a neighborhood, Mike, I think that we could, it's small enough that we could take that down. Because we're only talking about 100 doors. We could take down the whole neighborhood and change the dynamic. And because we are literally surrounded, where it's only a couple blocks long, we're surrounded by class A and class B properties. But here's the problem. And I believe we talked about this is that, you know, you've got hundred doors or hundred, uh, maybe 200 doors. You've got a hundred owners. Yeah. So, and then the sales that we we're seeing in there, I mean, there's people paying four ninety five for a crappy duplex 1970s construction in Ocala. Well, I can't be a player in that market. Can you? Yeah, in fact, I was looking at three of them just sold two weeks ago for four fifty. Oh my god! And these, yeah, that's a duplex. The duplex is they're really sad, but 
you know, going to what you were talking before, some of the landlords kept up the places. They looked decent. And then some other ones, I mean, they had one of them had tw- a 12-inch pothole. Yes. Huge 12-inch pothole right in the middle of the parking lot. Yeah. And I didn't think about it this time, but you mentioned it in sight. Like, wait a minute. That tenant is going to break his axle going yep. to the five jobs he needs to pay the rent over there or her or that she needs. And now they can't pay the rent anymore because the landlord didn't fill in the damn pothole. It was bad. (laughs) And I say shame on the pot on the landlord, because that means you're a dirtbag. You shame on you because you're not taking your job as a landlord is to serve. That's always been my belief. And some people are like, that's not my job to serve. Then get the hell out of it. Sell me your property and go away. Because if you're leaving that giant pothole in the parking lot, or you're leaving those satellite dishes, all 17 of them on the roof, and then you're complaining that the, the roof is leaking. Well, you're just not paying attention. I mean, you know, just get off the bar stool and get to work. So Yeah. But it was interesting because, like you said, there were some that were in decent shape. So maybe that's um, a development where you and I or any other investor can go in. If you buy maybe five, ten of these duplexes, you could potentially – you can bring up the neighborhood and then yes. bring up the rents and the value to the whole neighborhood that way. You can. Because yeah. there are some, there are some, I wouldn't call diamonds, but uh, shiny pennies in there. I see it taking a while predominantly because how do you attract? So let's say if market rent in there right now is a thousand dollars a month for a two bedroom, 450 doesn't hunt at all. That doesn't work. The numbers don't line up on a duplex, not even close. So to make that work, you're probably going to need to rent it for 2500 which in a nice B-plus neighborhood would be legit for Ocala. You can do that all day long in Ocala if your neighborhood supports it. The problem is all the surrounding neighbors, it doesn't support it because the guy next door is paying seven fifty, and his house is a dump. So we'd have to go in. I'm not saying we can't do it, but we I think that probably the way we'd have to attack that is we'd have to make a, a big offer to everybody, to as many people as possible, because we have to get a, we have to get ahead of the curve when you're right there are some that were very nice and those are generally probably newbie investors that are coming in uh they're getting Mm -hmm. pre-approved and they've got a little bit of cash in their ira and they're spending every dollar to make it gorgeous and they have their heart in the right place the problem is if they're attracting that 900 hundred dollar tenant they don't realize it yet but they're bleeding money and then they're going to become by default that crappy landlord i don't believe that people set out to wake up one day go i'm going to be a shitty landlord i don't think that's how it starts out there are people that just don't care about other people. I get that. Um, but I believe that most people that I've seen over the years, and you know, I've been at this quite a while, most people I run across started out with the right intentions. The problem is they did bad deals, and the bad deals kind of forced them into, I'll call it real estate poverty, where they became real estate rich and cash poor. They're not getting enough rent to maintain the property, like that guy with the parking lot. Now, how much does it cost to put a... To, get a 1999 pickup truck from Home Depot and put a pile of dirt in it and go over there and fill the pothole. Not much, maybe 50 bucks, right? The, the gas, the time, maybe even a hundred bucks. But now if we hit rainy season in Florida and that hole is on an angle, first time it rains, half that dirt's going to go away. So that guy's cutting corners by using dirt, not limestone and pavement. His repair doesn't last. So he gives it the old college dry only to find out it doesn't work. He gets discouraged and then he th- finds something else. You know, he can sit there and look at TikTok videos instead. This is our problem. You know, this is why I'm a big believer in what the some rocks and whatnot and the big syndicators are doing because they're, they're maintaining these properties appropriately. Yes, they're raising rents and I know that's expensive and yada, 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 but they're making, they're, they're 
absolutely gentrifying in a good way neighborhoods. And I, in that neighborhood, Mike needs that. If we could come in there and we could get those things, if we could get them for 275, 300, maybe with the knowing that we could get 2,500 to $3,000 a month rent per door. Now that makes sense. So yeah. I think that's totally doable. What do you, what do you think? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's why I'm still interested in that. Yeah. Um. Obviously, you know, that doesn't work at 450. Doesn't no. work at 400 even. Well, it does if the rent goes up. So if the, the rent, rent if the rent could be 3500 instead of 2500, well, now we're having a different conversation. I'm not complete, but I, I know what you're saying. I'm not convinced that will be the case. So it's a little pie in the sky. Yeah, yeah. So driving around, another thing that really showed was all these satellite dishes, dish TV. Yes, yes, yes. Oh, yes. On one unit, literally, there was five satellite dishes next to each other. Pop, 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 pop. On one unit. Looked like Starlink array or something. It's like, what are you doing? (laughs) And, of course, then you get the wires hanging off the roof and going to that and all the poles that you just punch through. Yep. And uh, so you you had experience with the satellite dishes. I want to... For, you shared with me there. Yeah. For me, it's a telltale sign. Number one, if I see a whole bunch of satellite, every time a satellite dish comes up, gets installed, that's a yeah. tenant turnover, guys. You should know that. You will see satellite dishes predominantly in lower income neighborhoods. And the reason for that is a satellite TV, you don't have to have a credit check. And you usually don't have to put any, any. there's no installation fee. There's no nothing. You just call them and they will show up and magically you'll have satellite TV. So the other thing is they have the technicians that install those satellite dishes. Um, God love them are not of the highest caliber craftsmen. Let's say their job is to get the dish in the air pointing South ish, I believe is the direction and by any reasonable means necessary. So they get the tenant to sign a permission slip so that, the, <laughs> so that they can drill into the roof. That's not his or hers. And they will take some lag bolts and a, and a uh, cordless uh, air ratchet or a, uh, electrical ratchet gun they will run those molly bolts into the roof trusses and the sheeting right through the shingles and they might put some schmutz around it because that's what the instructions maybe or maybe not told them to do the end of the day when that tenant leaves that dish stays put because the cable company doesn't want it back and the tenant's not going to do anything with it although i've seen them in garage sales and that's i guess a story for a different day but um, the next tenant shows up and then there's another satellite dish so if you see a duplex let's say and on one apartment, there's four satellite dishes. That means four times tenants have turned over. Fact. Because it's always Dish TV. It's the same company, but there's four satellite dishes. That That is a great indication. That's a flag waving saying we've turned over tenants four times. So the next question is, how good a condition are these dishes? Over time, they degrade in the sun. One of the ones you and I are looking at, Mike, I remember, I think I'm, you had pointed it out. They had five dishes on the roof. Yeah, and they all looked relatively new. I mean, there was no faded paint, nothing. They're painted gray, and the and the the dish itself was like a plastic type of setup. But they have like this powder coating on them on the on the metal part that goes down to the roof. That powder coating gets chalky over at after about a year. It starts getting chalky. You can see it starting to lighten up and turn white, and in some case, the paint will peel off of it. These were all shiny new, which means they've turned over tenants five times within the last probably two years tops because one thing you can count on in florida is sunshine all the time and they had put them so close together that now you've got all these roof penetrations all these holes drilled through the roof all in the same spot and then we noticed that there was like a 
low spot on the roof, which means our suspicions were correct. This has already caused the roof leak. Apparently, the landlord slash property manager has not been by the property at any length of time or maybe just doesn't realize that's even a problem. But that guy is going to need a roof. And what happens next is that thing is going to wind up causing someone to need new drywall because it's going to leak through into the house. So that's something to watch out for, guys. And you start seeing a bunch of satellite dishes. That's usually an inattentive landlord that or property manager that has a lot of turnover because a lot of dishes means a lot of turnover. Which as a buyer, as, as a newbie investor looking for property, it's really a good thing because now you know the landlord or yes. property manager has a tremendous amount of pain. Yep. As long as you realize you're going to need a new roof, Amen. you might have water damage to deal with. So as long as you budget that, now you've got solutions for that for that property. Now you can shine up that penny a little bit. I mean, one of the one of the key things we're talking about and we're seeing is the tenants want TVs and they don't have cable. That's right. Just get them cable and then they will quit punching holes in your roof. That's right. You, That's can, you can get a master cable account in Florida for about a hundred bucks and that'll give you up to about wow. six to eight taps. So if you charge $30 a month extra rent and include cable, basic cable, well, you guys do the math on that. If you got a fourplex and you charge 50 bucks a month for cable, that means you're going to take in 200 bucks and you're going to pay out a hundred. That's called profit boys and girls profit. Um, for me, when I see that, you know, I think it was Jay Massey that told me a prescription without an examination is malpractice. Yeah. And the only way, or it was a diagnosis without, without examination is malpractice. And if you don't know what causes the problems, you're never going to be able to solve them. Bottom line. So if I know I have an inattentive landlord, that means I have a lot of deferred maintenance. Cool. Yeah. That means we you know, like you and I, Mike, we agree. We definitely agree on the fact that we want to front end our rehab. We go in and do, very nice work using quality contractors so that we present a good product to the customer, which is the tenant, which means there's not 75 satellite dishes on the roof. There's not a broken down car from three tenants ago in the backyard. Everything yeah. is dialed in the way it should be. There's no rotten wood. There's no deferred maintenance. We take care of it all. There are no dents in refrigerators because we have an appliance guy that swaps them out for us. These are the things you do guys that, that you really can make top dollar on your rentals. Yeah. And in case in point, well, I, I spent well almost a week in your fourplex. Yeah. In in Tarpon. Yep. In Tarpon Springs, Florida. And you showed me the before and after pictures. Well, you don't even have to show me the after pictures because I lived in there for a week. <laughs> yeah. But the before pictures, this your fourplex was almost as scary. Yeah. Oh, and yeah. you saw you saw value in that. Yeah. Yeah. It so, was a train wreck. Yeah. It was a train wreck, but the neighborhood around it is gold. Yeah. Pinellas Trail. Good right families. Yep. Uh, convenience to to everything the Tarpon Springs. It's not loud. There's no railroad tracks behind uh, <laughs> yeah. that fourplex. And that was another thing. Actually, I, I fell in love with this place, this, another duplex in Ocala. I did too, but I really fell in love with a little kitten that was running out back. <laughs> I'm gonna say, <laughs> I got to say, I'm a, I'm a, I'm an animal <laughs> this person. guy with a deep voice, he's got a soft spot for animals. Oh right? my God, yes. <laughs> I can't deal with an animal being abandoned or hurt or something like that. I'll stop. What I, I derailed the whole day pretty much. I'm sorry for that, by the way, but I couldn't help it. A little cat was by himself and he was scared and I wanted to hold him. <laughs> yeah. But uh, that was a case of point where the neighborhood was beautiful. This place just needed a little shining like the other ones we were talking about. Yeah. And we were all ready for it. And then we walked in the backyard 
And then we saw the railroad tracks. Now there's right. railroad tracks everywhere. I live in Colorado. This is kind of like the West is railroad central. There's railroad tracks everywhere. Yes. And as long as the railroad tracks don't have trains on them, I would consider that to be okay. Right. But if you go to the, we actually walk the railroad tracks. If the top is shiny, it's active. Yep. And there's going to be a loud train going past your new tenants who you want top dollar for. They're going to be waking up at two in the morning every day. And that's what turned us away. Yep. And that sucks because that was a mid eighties construction, which is my favorite. I understand how to take care of that. Um, you can get, you, there's not a whole lot you really have to mess with, with eighties construction that, you know, you can count on the window frames being eaten up by termites. Okay. But here's the good news. You can pull those windows out if they're in good shape, reframe them in the inside, pull them, put them back in roof trusses may have some termite issues and things like that, but chances are it probably needs a roof anyway, because they've got 75 satellites, satellite, uh, satellite dishes on the roof. Um, we can do a lot of a lot of value add for a small amount of money on those 80s construction. So I, I hate passing on those, Mike. Um, but, you know, you just can't fix neighborhood. You can't fix location. Yeah. Is another reason why you like the 80s construction because a lot of those are blocked too? I do. I am I love frame houses. I'll be honest with you. I'm Like the one that we're renovating now for the fund is frame. It's gorgeous. And, you know, yeah. the upside of that thing is even with a catastrophic market crash, it's still we've got so much meat on the bone. I'm loving it. But if I'm going to do them in mass, uh, then I want concrete block because my insurance cost on a concrete block, if I'm going to hold something, I'm looking at my holding cost. Concrete block is significantly cheaper to insure uh, than it is frame. I think frame houses are far better built, my opinion. Oh, But the insurance company does. That's just my opinion. The insurance company doesn't agree with me. Bill Larson, our contractor in Tarpon Springs, he agrees with me. He says, if you have the choice between a frame and a if all things are equal and you can choose between frame an old 1920s frame building versus anything built past the 1940s, skip it and stick with the old stuff. Key West is a perfect example of that the whole Island was built in like 1890, 1900 is some of the, the average age of most buildings here and they get pummeled with weather all the time. And it doesn't matter. They're still standing in one piece. Remember seaport in, it was held up by a tree stump. From literally, 1890, literally tree stumps underneath. 1890, <laughs> but people are like that's crazy. It wasn't a pine tree, guys. It was ironwood. That is mm. like taking a hammer and slamming it into the bumper of your car. If you had a 60s model car that actually had a metal bumper, not that plastic shit wrapped around the front of the car. These houses are built like stone. I mean, why not? But anyway, we got way off topic. Yeah, but like you said, for for block construction, especially down in Florida, you don't have to worry about termites too. I guess. Nearly as much. Well, yes and no. That that is the common belief system, and to a large degree, I can I can agree with that as far as walls and things like that. But here's the thing: people don't realize with that, window frames and door frames are the most commonly eaten up thing. Whether you have a concrete block house or a frame house, and every oh. concrete block house is lined with wood on those windows. Every one of them. If you go to anything new construction, you'll before they get the windows in, look, and you'll see wood lining those windows. Now, the, what's an interesting is they didn't start, well, in most cases in large developments, they don't even use pressure-treated wood on those. They use white wood, like pine or something like that, which is like putting bait out for the termites. So that's, that's why, why they come to the windows. Yeah, you'll see brand new construction that is where a window falls out of brand new construction because they use that yummy, tasty white wood. It's like putting whipped cream <laughs> on the building and saying, come get it to the flies. 
in Key West, this is what I learned different. That's diff makes Key West different about everywhere else in the, in Florida. They, you, it's hard to even find white wood on the Island. Everything that's done interior or exterior is done in pressure treated lumber. And that's because the cost of construction is so high here. They don't want to have to keep paying to have come to deal with, um, wood destroying organisms, which are either termites or rot. So yeah. the pressure treated wood means once they do it, they're good for another 50 years. So it makes more sense to spend. Yes, you're going to spend more on pressure treated wood, but you only have to do it once every five or eight decades. Well, that's smart. That's the way it should be done. But in a subdivision in, I don't know, Dallas, Texas, they're looking in mass quantity, right? So they're building 500 doors. Well, if you're framing 500 windows with white wood versus PT, we're talking about a difference of millions of dollars. So they're going to go with the cheapest materials available because the economies of scale, they have so much of it to do. And this is the downside guys of some of these big apartment deals. They're putting lipstick on the pig. They're, they're putting, they're putting granite countertops in, you know, I've seen people doing recently. I saw one, I know I'm getting a little off topic, but I think it's important to mention nine, uh, $1,900 in countertops on a rehab to get a $100 rent increase or a $50 rent increase. Well, divide 1900 by 50 guys. That takes a long time to recover that. And that was just the tip of the iceberg when it got to the rehab bill. They were doing all kinds of other crazy stuff. But $1,900 for, for an apartment, two-bedroom, one-bath apartment countertop that rents for $1,200 a month is stupid. Just saying. Sorry. Yeah, granite countertop seems to be like everyone's go-to for, all right, let's fix this up. Just put the new countertops in, and then we'll release it. We'll raise the rent 1000 bucks and we'll put granite tops in. And yeah. Then, wait, yeah <laughs> you Explain it to your leasing agent and see if they agree. <laughs> well guys i hope you got something out of this so what we're we're talking about all these neighborhoods we're driving through and by the way when we're driving through them we're we're driving through it like regular day people yes you know we were hungry we ran, we ran into a greasy spoon drive-in hamburger place oh, man, that place in good. hernando i'm like oh look, this is amazing but we got we, that way we got the feel of the neighborhood right it's yes. not like we were just driving around looking for some place to buy and put an offer in and drive out so exactly. when you drive through these, if you go with a friend like, you know, Tyler and I, you kind of get that experience more. And then what we're talking about, trash on the side of the road, potholes in the driveways, uh, wood rot, all these things that look nasty. As long as the neighborhood around it could support an increase, it, it might be a good, very good deal oh, as yeah. long as you budget for those repairs. So if anybody's listening, if, if you're new investors, that's a great way to start. Right. Look for these signs we mentioned. And this might, it might be a great deal. Just budget for it and pay the right price for it. Absolutely. As long as the neighborhood can support. Absolutely. And, you know, guys, it's not always about price. In a lot of cases like this, you may have to pay their price, but that doesn't mean you can't get your terms. You know, the guy that wants $450,000 for his duplex, it might be worth that when you're done with it. And you don't want to have to pay him that, which I don't suggest you do pay him that on day one, but you could say, look, I, this thing needs a complete gut and overhaul. So let's do this. Let's structure this way. I'll give you your 450, but here's the deal. You're going to hold the paper and I'm going to be in rehab for about six to eight months to renovate this place. So I'll give you 10 grand down because that's three times what it will cost to foreclose on me. If I suddenly decide to be a dirt bag and not pay you, which wouldn't make any sense because you'd get my fixed up building, but I'll give you 10 grand down or five grand down or whatever the number is. Uh, I'll give you your 450 uh, and then what we'll do is maybe, how about this? What if I, here's a better one, John, 
what if we just agree 450 is a price? But really what I'll do for you is I will take this thing on a, a master lease and we'll do it a 15-year master lease with an option to buy it out at $450,000 down the road. That's one option. Because at the end of the day, what does the guy need the money for, right? And we heard learn this from Larry Harbolt and Peter Fortunato and guys like that. What, what are you going to do with the money? Well, the guy's already, he's selling off his whole portfolio. He's not going to, you know, stuff it in his mattress. He's going to do something with it. Maybe we can do some sort of creative acquisition to where we can go in and do the rehab, do the value add, control the asset during the time, and then move on to the next deal. Uh, that way, make our money go a little bit faster. So that's one of a million ways, guys, you can still get these things, even if price becomes a problem. You can then go in and talk about terms. You can talk about all kinds of creative acquisition. You can do trades. You can do anything like that you want to do. Those are topics, of course, for other episodes. We're going to wrap this one up here this week and and move on uh, to next week. And, guys, I hope you got some value out of this. Mike, thanks for coming along. And I hope you're going to be coming on more podcasts with me because it's much better than talking to you than just talking to myself. That's for sure. <laughs> right? So. Just like driving. Don't drive through neighborhoods by yourself. That's right. That's right. Don't, <laughs> Don't drive. Do it. It's just boring. It's dangerous and it's boring as hell. It's dangerous. That's right. <laughs> it's highly dangerous. Drive with an ex-cop like Tyler. That's You're right. Safe. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I know how to run and I can drive fast. <laughs> guys, have a great week. And as always, if you have any more questions, get over to cashflowguys.com. Hit that book Tyler button. Get on my calendar. And let's make it happen. Talk to you soon, guys. This concludes today's episode. You don't have to wait till the next episode to learn to earn. Head over to CashflowGuys.com and contact Tyler and his team for more powerful tips and ideas. So you can start generating multiple streams of income and escape the rat race.